Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. We gather here today on this morning of our Lord's resurrection, remembering how he saved us from our sins so long ago, how he has destroyed the power of death and given us the certainty of everlasting life. Today we celebrate an amazing truth, and that truth is founded in the fact that what we believe is unique among all religions, for we believe at its heart that our salvation does not come because we have saved ourselves, because we have earned God's salvation, because we have proved our worth, because we have done something spectacular. It's not because we have groveled in our sins. It's not because of anything we have done. But we stand here today rejoicing in the truth that we are saved, that we have eternal life purely and simply because of the love of our Heavenly Father for us and all his creation. Indeed, all other religions in one way or shape or form, some to a lesser extent, others to greater, point that it is us who save ourselves, that we have to earn God's favor either by how we live or what we do. Yet today... We are here because of the Lord's salvation. More than that, even as we consider why we know we have our salvation, we trust in the certainty that no matter what happens to us, no matter where we stand, the validity of our Lord's resurrection never falters. For our confidence stems from the fact that God entered history when the Son of God took on flesh and dwelt among us. These are facts that happened 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, in the land of Israel, in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem, in Galilee, by the Jordan River. These are events that we can trace back. Our confidence in our Lord's victory is not because we feel it in our hearts. It's not because we are confident in our own thinking and our own logic. It is valid and it happens because in a moment of time, our Lord made right what we had made wrong. Which, indeed, is a comfort. Because how often do we find our faith weakening? How many times do we find doubt in our life? It's easy to happen. Whether it's because we're wondering why we have to gather online this day and not in our sanctuaries. Whether it's because a loved one has been taken from us. Whether it's because we are struggling to make ends meet because we no longer have a job or because of an illness that is beset upon us. There are many times we can doubt. There are many times we might find our faith weak. But as St. Paul told Timothy, the great news about our Lord is that even when we are faithless, he is faithful. His word is dependent upon his word alone. His salvation is dependent upon his actions only. And all of it is despite our sinfulness. Of course, if it is a historical event as it is, that means our faith is based on this event. Paul addresses the question, what if Christ had not been raised? What if it was true that his body is still in the tomb? Or that it had been stolen or moved? That someplace we could actually find the remains of our Lord? Well, first and foremost, what we're doing this morning would be quite foolish it would seem as if we would be wasting our time. Quite frankly, it becomes all the more obvious that the world thinks this is a waste of time. 
So far and in many places of our country, we're told, don't worry about gathering, that hope doesn't do any good. It's all about action. Worse than simply being fools, because who among us hasn't done foolish things in our past? We would be blaspheming God, because today I proclaim to you who our God is, the God of grace and love and mercy. But if Christ is not risen from the dead, then he's not the God of love and mercy. He is the God of judgment and righteousness. And we would have to earn his favor. We would have to seek out yet a way to make things right between us. During these days of uncertainty, we should be trying to figure out what sacrifices we could give up, what bargains we could make with him. But instead, we confess that God is in control, that his victory is so sure that while we may know not the ending of where things go from today, he already does. He knows the limits he has placed on the death and the disease. He knows the limits on the chaos in our world. And while I cannot tell you that it won't get worse before it gets better, I can tell you it does get better. That just like as we celebrate this week, we go through the cross, we go through the valley of the shadow of death, but there is the dawn of Easter, both literally as our Lord destroyed the power of death, and as we pass through this times of trial and strife, It may be that that is finally when our Lord comes again. It could be that our Lord ends this time of struggle when he descends and brings the new heavens and the new earth into fruition. And yet, if that day is yet years or centuries or even millennia away, we know that we too shall pass this time and he will bring yet again peace and concord in our life. In addition to blaspheming God, we would be misleading men, giving them false hope, telling them that it is okay to have hope. If there is no God, if there isn't a loving God, who knows where this would end? But we know that there is a promise that God has made. Paul shares it to the Romans, that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. These are times where he is testing our faith, and through it our faith shall be strengthened. These are times where he has given us opportunities to love our neighbor as we help those in need. These are times where he has given us the opportunity to understand the true gifts he has given us. Yet all of that pales in comparison to the worst thing. If Christ is not raised, then death is exactly that. It is the end. There's nothing beyond it. Or perhaps if there is, all that's beyond it is that suffering of the eternal wrath of God. Yet, today, we stand here in the firm confidence, the sure word of God that Christ is risen from the dead, that that tomb is opened, that our Lord stepped forth, that he was met by Mary Magdalene, that he journeyed and met the disciples on the road of Emmaus, that he appeared to the disciples in the upper room, not only on the day of the resurrection, but the following day that he was seen by upwards of 500 men at one time, and that he now lives and reigns at the right hand of the Father, having ascended. And so, far from being fools for gathering today, we would be fools for not gathering today. How can we not pause to celebrate this great truth, to hear the message proclaimed yet again, to rejoice that because he lives, we live as well, that those who have fallen asleep in faith are exactly that. They are resting with Christ. That for them, they are no longer in the valley of the shadow of death. 
that they are in the green pastures and still waters of eternal life, that they are in the very presence of our Lord, rejoicing in his victory, awaiting the even greater day of the resurrection of all flesh. More than that, we are confessing the truth. We are bringing that message of love. We are standing firm and saying who God is, not a God of wrath and judgment, though he does judge sin, but more importantly, the God of righteousness and love and mercy, the one who has judged sin by placing the sin upon his son, who paid for it not with gold or silver, but with his precious blood. We proclaim the truth of Jesus. He is the way, the truth of the life. And we know that this is the proclamation that should and must go forth, that it is what is needed in these days, as it is in all days, that it is the true message of hope. Not simply, not that the economy will be opened again and we will have jobs, but that we have life eternal, that Christ himself is our savior. And above all, it does mean that death is dead. That for us, as we fall asleep in the arms of our Lord, that death is but the gate to life immortal. That in that moment, we truly are taken to our Lord where he comforts us, where he shelters us, where he feeds our every hunger, where he quenches every thirst, and where he gives us rest. Today we rejoice because Jesus is the first fruits of them that sleep. As he rose on that Easter morning, he brought an end to the struggle between God and man. Jesus' Jesus's resurrection is the first, but we shall all follow. Where he goes, we also tread. Yes, in this life there are struggles, but those struggles will go through the grave to life eternal. Be at peace and rejoice. Today we celebrate the greatest event in all history. For Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is, he is risen, risen indeed. Alleluia. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.